0: want to start your own podcast about sports or whatever great unsure how to get started no problem that's what buzzsprout is for podcast uses buzzsprout it's quick and easy and myself and thousands of other podcasters around the world use buzzsprout you'll get an awesome looking website plus your show will be out on spotify apple google amazon and all other platforms you'll also get ways to promote the show detailed analytics and stats and a whole lot more But that's not all. If you signed up with a paid plan for Buzzsprout, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card. And it would also help support this show. It's easy. Just follow the link in the show notes. Buzzsprout makes podcasting fun and easy. Start your own today. Do you want to win some cash? Do you love sports betting? Then Bet99 is the place for you. It is a Canadian online betting website and app that allows you to bet on football matches or matches of any other sport. It also has an online casino. Bet99 is the official betting sponsor for the Terminal City FC podcast and the Area 51 Sports Network. Go to the Area 51 website, click betting, and sign up for a welcome offer of a 100% match up to your initial deposit of $600, as well as boosted odds for the teams that you care about the most. Bet99.com is Canada's premier place for sports betting and online casino games. Must be 19 plus to play, and please, play responsibly. Listening to the Terminal City FC podcast, talking White Canada, Europe, and all the big stories across the world of football. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 60. Yep, episode 60. Done sixty of these of the Terminal City FC podcast, part of the Air Fifty One Sports Network, talking all things soccer across here in Vancouver, BC, and across the world. And Joshua Ray joined us alongside Nathan dirk as per usual. The world Cup semifinals have concluded, and the final is set. We're getting defending champion France against the powerhouse that is Argentina.
1: You know what? It's a hell of a matchup. Uh, I think this is a matchup that a lot of people were kind of hoping for at the beginning of the tournament, either this matchup or a Brazil and uh, a France matchup, because you either have Messi and Mbappe or you have Neymar and Mbappe, right?
0: Right. We'll talk about the final later on in the show, but let's go over what happened in the semifinals. So Argentina beat Croatia 3-0. I didn't expect a blowout, but... Messi turned back the clock and stole the show once again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they got, I will say this, I think they got lucky with that first penalty call. Uh, Well, it wasn't a penalty to me. Yeah, it wasn't a penalty. It was. uh, I mean, there's a difference between having a goalkeeper stick their leg out and a player running into a goalkeeper. And that was a player running into a goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, it didn't look enough to be a penalty to me. And at first, I didn't even know what the penalty was for, but, I mean, it was, wasn't even a harsh collision.
1: No, it wasn't.
0: But Messi no. converted the penalty. Yeah, and I mean, here
1: how Messi does penalties is how I wish everyone would do. I hate this whole stutter step thing. I hate the whole, you know, slow motion move or the, you know, the cheap little shot. Just pick a corner, drill it into the back of the net, call it a day.
0: Yeah, and I believe... Messi has five goals in the World Cup. I believe three or four out of the five have been penalties, so cue the passy jokes.
1: But right now, it's got him sitting on top of the uh, standings for the Golden Boot, I believe, because he's tied with Mbappe, but because he has more assists, that puts him uh, above him.
0: Yeah, and he did get an assist in this game, but there's another player that was really good in this game, and that was Alvarez.
1: Yeah, Julian Alvarez had a, a one hell of a game. Uh, one goal, obviously, you can uh, credit Messi for the assist, but the run that he had that, for his first goal—he basically carried the ball almost eighty yards all by himself.
0: Yeah, that was, that run was something out of FIFA when you just press the sprint button. <laughs> that that—that's what it was like. Yeah, one of the best goals in tournament.
1: With that run, he still had to go around two defenders inside the eighteen-yard box. So you got to think, I've just done this run. I'm a little bit tired after a sprint, and I'm still going around a nutmegger.
0: Yeah, and they just, the Argentina players let Alvarez do his thing, and he, he scored.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say I agree with you. I didn't expect to see a 3-0 uh, scoreline, but... But it was, it
0: wasn't like a, it's not like Croatia were, were dead, like... After the first goal, they tried their hardest.
1: They tried. Oh, they kept going right to the very end. But I mean, when you have someone like Lionel Messi making, uh, you know, yeah, someone like Yasuko Fardiol look,
0: look like a Sunday leaguer.
1: Yeah, I mean, he looked like a toddler. He basically tripped over his own feet.
0: Yeah, like that's probably one of the about best center backs out right now. Well, yeah, that's like the greatest player, arguably the greatest player to ever play the game, making one of the youngest. The young and most up-and-coming centre-backs in the world look like a Sunday leaguer.
1: Yeah, I saw one of the best uh, quotes I saw is that Messi just made Guardiola look like you.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly very true. Which is yeah. very true. Like if if not, it doesn't even have to be Messi. If there was just a player, if I was def- a defender and there was a player against me who had like hardly any skill level or just just barely better than me, that's exactly what would have happened in a beer league soccer game.
1: The one thing that is nice about this game in terms of Argentina is we do see that they are more than just a singular attack right
0: yeah that was um their issue for years relying way too much on Messi and this World Cup showed that while Messi is their leading goal scorer players like Alvarez have stepped up yep. for example
1: uh, the other thing we should mention about this game is that this is likely, well, not likely, this is it the is. last game for Luka Modric at the World Cup. He's 37 years old right now. By the time the next round comes around, he is going to be done. And when he was subbed off in the 81st minute, everyone in that stadium knew kind of what yeah. you were missing. And uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty nice moment for a, for a player that is you know dedicated so much time and has shown so much at this stage i mean this is the guy who won uh, the player of the tournament in 2018 2018
0: and won the ballon d'Or. yeah despite what you think about that and modric one of the best midfielders to play the game one of the best to ever do it last world cup too bad he didn't win one it would have been nice for him to ride into the sunset but i mean just one hell of a career
1: and I mean, it, I think it's been said before, but when you take a look at Croatia and just how small the country is in terms of population size and what they're able to consistently do in global and European football, I mean, this, like, pound for pound, this has got to be one of the best footballing nations in the world. In the world. And oh, yeah. And even with Luka Modric now, you know, on the tail end of his career, their pipeline of all the players coming up, they are still set to continue that.
0: Yeah, Vardio is one of them.
1: Vardio is one of them, and I mean, you got to take a look at their goalkeeper, Lovacovic, who now yep. is getting uh, noticed by Bayern Munich after uh, Manuel Neuer uh, injured himself uh, ski-touring.
0: Yeah, and we have one of the best, probably the best goalkeeper, along with Wojciech Szczesny, uh in the tournament.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Szczesny is just, you know, he's a victim of just not having Poland go any further. But yeah, right now, I mean, uh, Lovacovic has got to be one of the top goalkeepers of the tournament, absolutely.
0: Yeah, this game. I mean, that assist from Messi. I mean, that it just shows how intelligent, how skillful he is. Like we talked about how you and I thought he's like the smartest player to play the game. That was it.
1: Yeah, and then, and again, you're absolutely right. That's what is on display because he's a guy that conserves energy. He doesn't need to run. And even like uh, going back in the day to the you know the days of uh, when he was with Pep Guardiola and talking about. That's what you expect. Messi is a guy that you don't notice for about 15 minutes and when you notice him, you really notice him because he's walking around. It's like he's just taking a leisurely stroll, but he's always paying attention. That's Yeah, the, that's
0: where the why people call him genius. Yeah, you don't need and,
1: to run if you already happen to be in the place where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Uh
0: he's just he's just different. Yeah. A whole another level. And let's go over to the other Semi-final matchup between France and Morocco. Now the man of the match was easily Antoine Griezmann because the guy was everywhere.
1: This is an, a different Antoine Griezmann than I'm used to seeing. Now I'll I'll admit he's kind of fallen off my radar off uh, the past couple of years, but oh, what yeah. I'm seeing for him play and how he's playing for France, this guy is a workhorse.
0: Yeah, the guy was playing like center back almost, like just clearing the ball, making some tackles, forcing some turnovers. But, I mean this guy's
1: right? he is a, literally he is the epitome of what you want in a box to box midfielder now
0: yeah and the guy has fallen off the past like 3-4 years in his club career but he always turns it up for France
1: yeah it, it does make me wonder I kind of want to go back to see how what is he like with, uh, with uh, Atletico right now
0: I mean he's alright but he's not you know what he used to be right But with France, it's like, it's a different level.
1: Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, Deschamps has already said that this is his last World Cup with France, and he wants to go back into club football. Who knows? Maybe Griezmann's a guy that uh, follows Deschamps wherever he goes, because, I mean, he's getting the best out of him.
0: Yeah. That's right. And Griezmann was the one who started the attack on the first goal, scored by Theo Hernandez. And Morocco's defenders, they were all focused on Mbappe and Griezmann. They completely forgot about Theo Hernandez. That was except their goalkeeper that was Bono a
1: big blender, uh, defensive blender and unfortunately uh did that come when uh, Sace was still on yeah it did yeah yeah it was, did Ev- like everybody was
0: like how um encircling Mbappe and Griezmann everyone except Bono was aware that Hernandez was there too
1: well who you know when you're going after goal who's thinking of the left back right
0: <laughs> right but still like they just left uh, Hernandez all alone
1: I know. And you gotta you gotta admit though, like that volley from Hernandez, it's not an easy volley. I mean you're taking no. the ball, it's it's gotta be a good three, four feet off the ground. You hit that with your shin, you you hope that ball is going forward, but for all you know that ball is going straight up in the air.
0: Yeah, that's right. And we you talked about size, he came off in the twentieth minute due to some kind of injury. Now I don't know what he had and i know he was dealing with some sort of injury prior to the game
1: you could see his thigh his thigh was completely strapped up underneath his shorts i was he was dealing with a, a muscle strain and the thing is is you could see it there was a run um i can't remember who was running it was eventually it didn't turn into a goal but he was trying to catch up to the player and he just he he had nothing in him his his legs were failing him and i mean it's one of those ones where i get why you want him to be there but based on the injury he had in the previous game, he was no longer your better choice. He, he's a guy that, and I don't know who makes the decision. Of course, the player is always going to want to play, but yeah. someone someone needed to be the adult in the room and say, you're not starting this game because it's detrimental not only to you, but to the team.
0: Yeah, and it's not like Morocco faltered without him. No, like, they continue all. to be good defensively and I hate it when teams do this. I mean, it works. Like, it proved it worked today, but France were up one nothing, and Deschamps decided to park the bus. So Morocco looks so threatening, but they couldn't beat Lloris or they just kept missing the net.
1: Yeah, you know what? Lloris had to stand up uh, quite a few times. What about that overhead kick? From- oh, jeez.
0: I mean, Lloris had to really fight that one. It went off his. He had to save it and make sure it didn't go off the post and in. And Godly, looking for him and I mean,
1: I don't even know when Larice would have seen it because it had to go over the heads of about four or five players.
0: Yeah, but he was paying attention, so
1: he was paying attention. You know what? For uh what is he, thirty five years old, he's got some pretty good reflexes.
0: Yeah, and like Ziesh was the one being the engine for Morocco's attack with his like set plays and crosses, but they couldn't get on them or they completely flood them. Like there was this one part in the seventieth minute, I forgot who it was. Guy Decides to wait and wait and wait instead of just shooting.
1: Yeah, that you know, that really there was a, a, a bit of that where you're you're like you know sometimes you just have you don't look for the perfect shot just take what's given to you just take it. Yeah, yeah, and, and... you were talking about Ziech and you know he was good on the attack but you you saw and I think it's also just the fact that he he's playing against Mbappe on that one side but Mbappe's speed and what he was able to do to get around Ziech it reminded me. Uh, of a Gareth Bale goal back in uh, the Copa del Rey when he was playing for Real Madrid, the one where he he kicked the ball forward and he bananaed out of uh, out of bounds to go back in, and how he was running past the defender to go and get the goal. Or it reminded me also of when he first made his mark um, with with Spurs, and it was yeah. uh, he had a was it a second half hat trick in the Champions League against. Inter Milan I think it was but it was like it was One of the one of the top right backs In the world at the time and he made him look like he was Standing still they ended up having to take him off Because he got skinned three times
0: Yeah that's right and like Morocco Were really focusing on these harsh Tackles on Mbappe Because of his speed There was one that like Mbappe made this huge run and then The Moroccan defender just Came out of nowhere and made a clean Tackle harsh but clean
1: there was, there was also some, some dirty ones, too. I mean, there was one point where Mbappe got stomped on so bad, it actually broke the laces of his boot. He had to go off and get a brand-new boot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't happen. of just being touched.
0: And, like, France... It also helped that France kept turning the ball over, but they eventually sealed the deal with a goal from Randall Colomune, who was, like, making his fourth appearance for France. And that was his first goal, just forty four seconds onto the pitch.
1: I think when we talk about uh, Morocco, the one guy that I think we have to give a lot of credit to, and he hasn't been he hasn't been talked about enough, is Walid Reg.
0: Yeah, their coach.
1: Reg- Reg- Reggouie, I think it is. Yeah, the coach. He became their head coach only three months before the World Cup because the guy who they had before was pretty much known as a tyrant. In on that yeah. team, like, there were players that refused to play for Morocco because he was the head coach come in Waleed, and now you have these players that are actually coming back into the national fold. I think what he has been able to do, to first come into, not only his, you know, three months into the job, this was his first major tournament with Yeah, and he did well. Very well. And to get players back on board, to get the belief of a nation behind them, I mean, you saw the scenes uh, in Morocco uh, when when they were scoring goals, right? Yeah. It it was so bad that uh, Qatar actually started canceling flights. Morocco to uh from places in Morocco to Doha because there were so many uh Moroccans that were trying to, to make it in just for this semi-final match
0: yeah it's that that's crazy and Morocco put the world on notice that they're a team not to to be to mess with
1: yeah and it, you know what I agree with you it was defensive sometimes it wasn't always that interesting but they knew exactly what their game plan was and they they executed it effectively and I can't yeah. I can't regret them for that
0: and they were good defensively.
1: Very good defensively. Very good defensively.
0: Yeah, and so, yeah, we got the third place match on Saturday. Croatia will be against Morocco, so two defensive teams. Probably won't be a lot of scoring anyway.
1: No, yeah. I think we can uh, both imagine this one might be low. Sc- you know what? It might be one of those games where it's low scoring, but in the second half, if it's a one nothing game or a 0-0, you might see something open up because right? yeah, we right. did start to see frailties in the defensive game of both these teams in the semifinals and I think for Croatia I think that they can figure themselves out and get back and build themselves again for Morocco I think their injuries are catching up with them
0: Yeah, we don't know if Scythe will even start
1: I oh, I would be absolutely surprised if he starts
0: yeah, and it's
1: not and... just him there's others they were missing their main right back For this last game as well, he got uh, apparently a really horrible cold, so he wasn't in either. Don't know if he's going to be back yet.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be a probably go to like be a low scoring Croatia win.
1: I'm thinking that too. Croatia still has like they are a defensive team, but they do have uh, they do have offensive strength. They they can you know they can they can do damage.
0: Yeah, but it's the midfield that. The
1: that bosses everything and that's gonna be really really tough yeah I think that's that'll be the difference yeah fair enough
0: and I don't watch the third place matches for World Cup the World Cup anyway
1: we will this time <laughs> yeah
0: yeah I don't think I'll get up for it but the final definitely definitely Absolutely. France Argentina Messi versus Mbappe. Qatar in Qatar two Qatari um players but no, no, no. What, what I was trying to say is two players from a Qatari-owned team, PSG, oh. against each other. Qatari, Pretty. I mean,
1: for them, I mean, this is exactly what I'm. Su- I'm assuming they hoped for.
0: <laughs> yeah, cute conspiracy theories. Then there's all the Max fixing and all that. Yeah. So,
1: I, you know, I just I can't buy into conspiracy theories. I got to think that if you're a player and you you're in the World Cup, will any amount of money force you to throw a game when you're going to be on the biggest stage in the world especially when you're looking at like i already know what my salary is so if you want to throw me money how much money do you have to pay to actually make it worth my time
0: exactly right do you think players are accepting bribes i don't think so
1: i can't see it i can't see it referees maybe but not players unfortunately referees probably just don't get paid near what they what they probably should especially at this level
0: yeah which could explain why yeah. So I'm probably to take bribes. Anyway. What do you think? Oh, this is a coin flip. Almost. I know. And France are the betting favorites. And I there is no right or wrong answer who to pick. My As I said earlier on Twitter, actually last night, I want Argentino to win because I want to see Messi win a World Cup. before Because this will be his last game at the World Cup in his career. But I think France is the better all-round team so my head says France is winning.
1: I agree with everything you just said yeah I've seen I've seen a number of uh, posts out there that says you know my heart says Argentina my head says France France is the better team right They' have got more team they have they have superstars throughout that lineup so it's not just the fact that they you know they you know they're just a good team've they've, they've got the, the talent in every one of those positions. I I agree with you. It's going to be a coin flip. I think France will come out ahead. I think it's going to be a hard fought, low scoring game. Like, I, I yeah. think there are going to That's be right. areas where they are going to, you know, they're going to counter one another. It's going to be a bit of a chess match, it's going to be a rough game, but I think France will come out ahead.
0: And I think this game is going to be very tight. I think it'll probably be be 1-1 after full-time. Extra time or penalties might be needed. And here's the thing. Apparently, Kareem Benzema is going to be available for selection and for the World Cup Final. Really? Yeah, I'm reading here that he has been given permission from Real Madrid to travel back to Qatar. Did
1: they not replace him in the 26-man squad?
0: I don't. It's it's, um, according to this site called... Sport, Joe. Let me just find a more credible.
1: Cause I'm, yeah.
0: Source. Yeah, that's what Mirror is saying. The marca, Eurosport is saying. Ball. Yeah. So it looks like he probably won't even come off the bench, if needed. I find it unlikely that he will. I'm so.
1: Learn about that. <sighs> if. You know what? Be in the stadium. Be a fan. Yeah, I think that's what'll happen. But he'll probably
0: be in the stands or in the press box.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sorry, but you got to go with those who, who are here, and I, you know, I feel it's not his fault. He, he was injured. I get that, but you can't just show up for the very last dance.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true. So, I mean, I don't know, like. I wouldn't be surprised if Argentina wins or France wins. I'd be surprised if it would be a high-scoring blowout type of game.
1: I'd be surprised,
0: yeah. And Messi's going to be motivated. Mbappe's going to be motivated. He wants his second World Cup before, just at the age of 24, Messi wants his first. And it's going to be awkward no matter who wins for Messi and Mbappe to go back to PSG a week later.
1: I, I mean yeah i think you go whoever goes back to PSG, the two of them who their their cheering is going to be a little subdued and maybe maybe you'll leave your medal at home
0: <laughs> yeah and you i know, really
1: like if Messi wins i don't think mbappe will care as much because he's already got one
0: yeah but mbappe of course you want once you reach the summit you want to reach the summit again
1: Oh, of course, of course, but I mean, the fact that you get one at the age of 19, it, it doesn't sting as much as the guy who, if he doesn't get it, will never get it.
0: That's right. Because it,
1: this is his last chance, right?
0: Yeah, and his last chance to prove to everyone that he truly is the greatest to play the game. To prove that narrative, at least.
1: Yeah, I, I know that there's a lot especially when you look at british media it's like you can't be the greatest unless you've won trophies i i i'm not a big so
0: fan. that means someone like Olivier is the greatest because he won the world cup
1: well they remember i was reading a thing like the, the guy there's one guy who played for barcelona i think he only ever played four games for the top team but he's been with barcelona and you know the amount of uh, cups that he's won he's like one of the most decorated footballers in history and yeah he's played four
0: games. <laughs> wow yeah, by that logic, someone, I don't know, it's like a bench player.
1: Yeah, exactly. For right.
0: Chelsea, like, is better than another player because he's won more tr- trophies.
1: Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Sunday, France, Argentina. It's set to be up. going to be the, a, a match uh, that a lot of people were hoping for.
0: Yeah, like, we're going to have the careful tactics of France versus Argentina, and Messi's magic, and their constant. Diving, unfortunately. And other stuff. So, yeah. Be up for that one. The eyes of the world will be on Lucille. Lucille Stadium. Biggest game on the planet. I don't give a damn what you think. Oh, the Super Bowl is better. Uh, And all that. Nah, this is the world's game. This is the most viewed sporting event in the world.
1: Yeah, I... Yeah, no, nothing else comes close. Nothing compares to it comes, this. That comes close. I mean, more people... As much as we love hockey, the Stanley Cup
0: and... final doesn't even come close.
1: More people watch this than the Olympics. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. But we'll put it that way. So before we move on from the World Cup, uh, some uh, sad news came over this past week. Renowned American journalist, guy who spoke about Qatar's issues in the World Cup, was very defined in his stance against them. Grant Wall has sadly passed while covering the Argentina-Netherlands game, and his, de- his cause of death to- has been revealed as an aortic aneurysm,
1: yeah.
0: which is, as I look here, is a balloon-like bulge in the aorta, the large artery, that carries blood from the heart through the chest and torso. And aortic aneurysms can dissect or rupture. The force of b- blood pumping can split the layers of the artery wall, allowing blood to leak in between them.
1: Yeah. Apparently, he had been uh, talking to us about uh, you know moderate chest pain over the past couple of days. On top of that, he was also suffering a cold and a you know a bunch. Of, he, he was, was coughing cold. too. Yeah. And, and he- uh, yeah. Unfortunately, sad. now the thing is, is that for any conspiracy theorists that are out there, the aortic aneurysm was diagnosed by the New York City coroner office. They so it, they they know hospital. their stuff. It wasn't done by anyone else. So not only that, but it. Uh, Grant Wall's wife, Grant Wall's brother have both come out uh, uh, supporting the diagnosis. and yep. uh, Yeah. so.
0: I mean, Grant Wall, I didn't really read much of his work, but when it comes to soccer in America, the guy tried to grow the game. The guy loved the game. He loved new fans, old fans. He told great stories about soccer players in the U.S. He even... Did basketball stories, like he covered LeBron James when he was in high school for oh, Sports wow. Illustrated. He even tried to run for the president of FIFA. Could you imagine if he actually did? FIFA would be a lot different.
1: I, uh, I'm i surprised they ran for FIFA. I can understand maybe president of CONCACAF or U.S. Soccer, but FIFA? Wow.
0: Wow. And he when Sports Illustrated was making budget cuts, he spoke against them during the pandemic and he he got fired because of it yeah so and he also read somewhere that when colleagues get laid off he tells companies oh you should hire these people
1: he was known as being a good all-around guy there's a lot of uh prominent uh especially in soccer uh, a lot of prominent journalists and reporters that have been uh, sharing their stories about him and, uh, yeah, he's a very genuine, genuine person. He actually also, just before this World Cup, had just had been given an award for the number of World Cups that he has covered. And it goes all the way back to 1994 when it was in the United States.
0: That's right. And Those remember, groups. he was detained in Qatar for wearing a pro-LGBTQ shirt.
1: Not only was he detained for wearing the shirt, he also had his camera confiscated because he took a photo in the media room. Yeah. He took a photo of the FIFA symbol on the wall in the press room and his camera got confiscated.
0: And remember, this is a guy who, you know, wasn't afraid to speak up what he believed in.
1: He's been talking about this World Cup and the controversies surrounding it since Seth Blatter pulled the name out of the bowl.
0: Yep. Right. He was very against it, so to so, speak.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, uh, a voice that'll be sorely missed, not only for what he brought to the game, but for the the voice that he brought to a lot of people who didn't have voices.
0: Yeah, and uh, condolences to his wife, to his brother, and the rest of his family, friends, and his colleagues that knew him. Uh, we lost a we lost a really good one. Yeah, uh, and we should also mention that a Qatari photographer named Khalid Al Nizlam also died while covering the World Cup, sadly, and. As of now, his cause of death is unknown.
1: Yeah, there's uh no really no information uh, at all about Khalid. We don't know what happened. We don't even really know where it happened. Uh, so. Yeah, but
0: rest in peace to him and condolences to his family and friends. Yeah. I mean, both of them died doing what they loved. I mean, yes. And it's just very cryptic. See, Grant Wall's last tweet was about Netherlands tying the game against argentina and then a few minutes later he collapsed
1: i mean yeah when when it comes when your time comes it's very immediate
0: yeah you never you just don't know so hug your loved ones tight too you never know anyway uh moving on um this is uh sort of surprising to some maybe maybe not but apparently it's been almost confirmed now that Derek cornelius Canadian International, Vancouver Whitecap was on loan for the past like, year and a half or so in Greece it is signing with Malmo in Sweden.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, it's this is it's, it's a strange one, but it's also not. Is the Swedish league the same as MLS? I'm going to argue that MLS is actually a higher league but when you look at a team the club, Malmo Malmo's one of the best. They're, they're arguably the best club in Sweden they are consistently performing on the Champions League um, this is a good move for Derek Cornelius
0: and I didn't think he'd want to come back to the Whitecaps anyway so I guess it's better for him and for his career because he thrived in Greece and I don't know maybe the Swedish league is better than the Greek league I can't really have a say in that people who are experts will probably know better but, yeah, he's 24. You give him a chance to grow his game even more in Europe. And Malmo just tweeted on their official account a Maple Leaf emoji with a picture of someone's back and back of the heads. And that's clearly Cornelius. So, it's pretty much been confirmed. And it's around, according to this um, Swedish, uh, I think he's Swedish, Anel Avdik. Journalist. He, Malmo is paying around 5 million SEK, which I assume is Swedish currency, and that translates to about 500K Canadian. Okay. Apparently, I'm not sure if my math's correct. So, I mean, at least the White Cats aren't losing him for free, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, that would have been, that would have really, really sucked if they had lost him on a free. Uh, the fact that they're at least getting something. Now, of that 500k, uh, you know that MLS is going to take a sizable chunk of that. They do uh, they do take a uh, chunk off every track. Yeah, it is, actually. The uh,
0: it's Swedish Corona. 500,000 500, Canadian. Gotcha. How about that? Okay.
1: that. That being said, this is still good for the Whitecaps because it's a player that they were going to lose on a free anyway. It also starts the uh, the re-entry draft and uh, the picking of Yao starts to make a little bit more sense. I don't think they're going to rely on him. They're, they are still looking for a another center back. Yeah.
0: They
1: have two starters already, but they need another one.
0: They need another one, yeah. yeah. Someone ideally... But, I mean, Yao's pretty good in the air. He's so. good in
1: the air, but... It's having the MLS experience or having that top-level experience. Uh, Who knows where
0: they'll look. Maybe they'll look – I mean, they're to that guy in Uruguay still. Yeah. Maybe they'll look uh, somewhere else in South America or somewhere else in MLS. Who knows? But I think it's good for both the club and the player because the Whitecaps – remember, they got rid of guys who were here a while, like Cavallini, Norinsky, Usu. They really want to have a little, not, not say a rebuild, but a mini-retool for next season. Yeah,
1: there, there's going to be some significant changes in, uh, in the lineup that we see for the new year. It's going to be interesting to see what that is. It's going to be really interesting to see where they use that DP slot. I'm hoping that it's going to be for a striker, but I'm not 100% sold on. I
0: would not be happy. I don't think any White Cat fan will be happy if they use that DP slot on anybody, anybody that isn't a striker.
1: I do wonder what they're going to do with in goal.
0: Yeah, that's I mean. One
1: question: I do wonder what they're going to do in goal.
0: I mean, Axel went on AFTN Soccer Show a few weeks ago and said a goalie is a target.
1: Yeah, and
0: And this goalie, goalie has to be starting quality.
1: Yeah, depending on where they're looking for that goalkeeper, I don't know.
0: Maybe they look within MLS or Mexico and South America. That's that's where I think they'll look at most of the signings they make this window. And for Cornelius, I mean, all the best to him. All the best. And he kind of had his issues, ups and downs, when Mark Desantis was here. And as I said, I didn't think he'd want to come back anyway. So all the best to him. And for the Whitecaps, another defender, striker, which I hope is a DP, and another central midfielder. It doesn't have to be, like, and now this world midfielder, someone like a Berhalter, because that was a very good def signing, yep. and a goalkeeper again has to be starting quality uh, is needed for this team to take the next step.
1: They also need help at least on uh, on the right as well. The fact that yeah, team, that's what uh,
0: apparently uh, Axel said on the uh, AFTN show that they're looking for a wide player. Yeah, it's and true. I hope they don't use the DP spot on a wide player.
1: No, no. Uh, I mean, I know they did the one time with Ad- with Adnan, but that was just also a weird situation in that a player happened to be free that shouldn't have been free, and the Whitecaps happened to have a DP slot that they just couldn't use, so that would almost just seem to be a weird choice at the time. You know, it was, it was nice to have him when we had him, but I don't think you'll ever see that again.
0: Yeah, I don't th- think um, they'll use their DP spot on a wide player like, like that again for the foreseeable future, but also should note that the MLS schedule should be releasing this week or early next week, and again I That's am... What ass- I'm, hearing. Yeah. I'm ass- assuming the Whitecaps are starting at home.
1: Yeah, they w- did last year, right?
0: Yeah, and th- remember the 2021 season, of course, they were in like Orlando, Portland so I'll like all that and the year before that covid happened a few weeks later and they did start at home. Yeah. So I assume they are starting at home because they last started in Columbus last year and they're hosting the first leg of Concacaf Champions League in early March. And then the week after they're heading down to Honduras for second leg.
1: There you go.
0: So, yeah. Oh yeah, MLS Super Draft next week
1: that too. Yeah, uh I believe the I want to say the 21st,
0: something like that, like a few days yeah. before Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas to those kids.
1: Whitecaps I believe uh pick in the first round, I want to say around the 14th slot. Probably. Memory serves me.
0: Something like that, yeah. but, uh,
1: uh, yeah, that'll be uh that'll be coming up here.
0: Yeah, it's December 21st, you're right. There we go. And I'm just looking at the order right now. Whitecaps are 13th. 13th.
1: Oh, I was one Close on. enough. Close enough.
0: So, all right. So moving on to the other Vancouver soccer team. Vancouver FC, based out of Langley, the new CPL club, have made their first ever signing. And it is goalkeeper Callum Irving, who joins on a free from Pacific. 29 years old, born in Vancouver, and was a Whitecaps Academy product in from 2007-2012. Did go out on loan to Houston Dynamo, but did not play. Played for Rio Grande Valley Toros, Ottawa Fury, Pacific. And now, coming home to Vancouver FC.
1: Yeah, this is a surprise to absolutely no one. Uh, he, The player himself basically mentioned that this was a move that he wanted specifically to be closer to home um i mean he's a he's a two-time uh, like i think goalkeeper of the cpl uh this is a, a great fantastic signing for vancouver and if you want to build a team building from the back is a great way to do it
0: yeah not a bad signing yep. at all Now they and...
1: have a bunch more players by the end of today because at noon uh pacific time today is the draft for the cpl and vancouver fc gets the first two picks being the expansion of the team
0: yeah they'll be drafting players out of eSports yep and follow ben steiner for more information on that we are on twitter and ben steiner uh, also
1: has a mock draft already out so if you are looking at seeing uh, kind of where things might go or you're looking for some comparables check it out
0: yep and this podcast will be out like in the evening of well, today's thursday yep. so the draft will have already happened so Vancouver FC are putting their team together.
1: The other thing we need to mention about the CPL is that there is another, uh, another thing happening today as well. Uh, the CPL players will be holding their vote on whether or not to unionize and have a collective bargaining as a group. FIFA Pro, uh, the world governing body of player unions, has said that any vote will be already recognized this has already been okayed by the league. So it does seem like we will have a player union in Canada. Okay.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. And moving on from that, from some news out of the NWS. So a new report released on Wednesday, which came out minutes before the France-Morocco semifinal, just poor timing they find widespread continuing misconduct within the league and followed a 14-month inquiry.
1: Yeah. Now, this is the second report uh, that has been done, uh, basically, on, on issues within NWSL. This one, uh, 128 pages. It reiterates a lot of what was going on. It basically says that half of the teams in NWSL have, uh, have problems with Harassment, uh, language, uh, sexual coercion by coaches. Uh, And this follows a season where of the 12 teams in the NWSL, five male coaches were fired and a GM of of one of the other teams was let go as well. So, I mean, we're talking about something that is rampant. Report does have six recommendations, uh, obviously come out uh, strengthening anti-harassment policies, a policy that we should note NWSL didn't have until only a like a year or two ago. Uh, okay. Reinforcing guidelines about what are appropriate re- uh, interactions between staff and players, uh, training to, uh, you know, help with, uh, you know, stopping this from ever happening in the first place, uh, centralized hiring practices rather than, you know, stuff you know that kind of goes into, like, nepotism and cronyism. Um, and uh, also uh, enhancing reporting and investigation procedures within so that players have an avenue to report uh, instances that do still have it. Yep. Now, uh, this was put out, uh, and the NWSL has a brand new uh uh, commissioner or uh, you know CEO, so they were welcoming of the report and that th- it's out there. But they're also the ones that put it out. So the timing of when this report came out kind of seems like they were trying to throw it out with the trash a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's just. I mean, at least there's we got some more information, but again, the timing kind of ruined it. And I'm just looking. Here that the I'm just reading on the report. like widespread misconduct. Like it's this thing has been happening f- from the league's beginning is near, nearly a decade ago.
1: Yeah. the The one thing about this report is that uh, they did interview uh, about a hundred players, so it was a, it was a fairly decent sample size. Um, so I mean, it's not like the one report that was done in about Vancouver, where I think they interviewed like what nine people or something like that.
0: They Interviewed a bunch of people this time for this one, yeah. actually.
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, the proof is going to come with what, what, what follows. It, do these changes actually get enacted, and do these changes actually have any substance? And well, of course, sh- that's the sort of thing that you're not going to find out until you know a length of time has passed.
0: Another and few can, years. Yeah, I assume. Anyway, let's move on. And, yeah, we'll have more information on this. As it as, follows. As it follows. I don't know. The European Super League, I don't, I don't understand why don't they don't just put this to bed already. Uh, there's an Advocate General releases a report stating European football and the world's governing bodies are compatible with the EU competition law. Big blow to the A22, which Nathan has talked about, which stated that UEFA before breaking European competition laws over threats of sanction to players participating. It's not mining, but could influence the decision made by, 15 member grand chamber, by a 15-member Grand Chamber in the spring. But the report does not ban A22 from creating their own Super League, but they can't assume to have access for players under UEFA and FIFA. Put this to bed already. Like, yeah, it's absolutely. over... Let it go. Basically,
1: this will not be over because right now it's actually in front of the European Court of Justice. So it's the the Advocate General of the European Court of, Gen- uh, of Justice, one of the guys that, you know, sits on this panel. He's the one who says that what, what UEFA does, what FIFA does, is fine by, by European competition law. And that was the big sticking point uh, that A22, who actually brought this case forward, the group that represents the European Super League, was trying to fight, saying, they've got a monopoly they're breaking the law well this big this report now is a huge blow to that argument yes it's non-binding right but this report will be used as a document by that 15 member grand chamber of the court of justice when they rule on it this coming spring the one thing that this report says though is that they can A51 has no problem they can form their own and actually this is a quote from it right now here While they are free to set up their own independent football competition outside the UEFA and FIFA ecosystem, it cannot, however, in parallel with the creation of such a competition, continue to participate in the football competitions organized by FIFA and UEFA without the prior authorization of those federations the report also goes on to say it appears that the European Soccer League founding clubs want on one hand to benefit from the right and advantages linked to being members of UEFA without however being bound by their rules and obligations so it does actually chastise A- A22 and you can look at the clubs of Juventus Real Madrid and Barcelona for basically wanting to have their you know, you know ha- have the best of both worlds which you right. can not too now, A22 twenty, you know, a obviously sp- is putting their spin on it, saying, we welcome this report because it says we're allowed to exist. We know that uh, the grand jury will go further in their assessment, yada, yada, yada. But if this is not the first nail in the coffin to the Super League, I don't know what is. Well, no, it's not the first nail. This is like the third or the fourth nail. You're I mean, right. then I wish this then, is th- over. This will not be over. Just put it to
0: bed already. That's all I had to say. Yeah. Anyway, that concludes this we got to wait, but I just want this thing to die.
1: <laughs> uh, I think uh, every fan out there wants this to die.
0: Yeah. Anyway, that concludes this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I believe we'll re- record one more next week before Christmas. We'll take some time off. Yeah. Like what we did last year. And so hope you enjoyed this episode. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Follow me on Twitter at JoshRay91. Nathan is at Enduric. Podcast is at Terminal City FC. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, so check us out there. And some the World Cup final is you know, on Sunday. Like soccer never stops. Like World Cup final on Sunday. Whitecaps news will be coming up over the next few weeks. Club football will be back on Boxing Day. So the game of football just never ends.
1: No, it's it keeps going. No matter who you're following, you can find uh, you can find a game, you can find a story. Uh, you know, best theater in the world.
0: You're goddamn right. <laughs> so that concludes this week's episode. Peace out.
1: Take care.